want there not to be any distractions. Help everybody to be attentive. Lord, there's a lot of information we're going to go through tonight. And Lord, I just ask that your spirit would move uh, here tonight. In your precious and holy name I pray. Amen. Okay, if you remember, we were in Genesis chapter number 20 last week, and we preached through the story of Genesis chapter number 20. Hopefully, as we read the chapter, your mind was refreshed with what happened. If you remember, Abraham came to Gerar, to the nation of King Abimelech. He lied about Sarah being his wife, and said that he was his sister. Now, it's a partial truth and a partial lie. It was his sister, uh, from the same uh, father, but not the same mother, but uh, they were also husband and wife. He lied about that. Abimelech didn't know that. He took Sarah to be his wife and God uh, said he was going to die and he gave him a disease and he gave him a few things there and one of the things that he did is he closed up the wombs of all the women in that nation and anyway, you know, when it finally got all strained out, Abraham prayed for them and so forth. I'm sure you remember all that from last week and we preached through that. Tonight, I I really want to focus in uh, on a different subject, but I want to use this kind of as a springboard. If you look at verse 17 in chapter number 20, once it was all re- resolved, once Abimelech confronted Abraham about the, the lie, and Abraham explained to him the truth and, and got right and all those things, in verse 17 the Bible says, So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech. So God had given Abimelech some sort of a sickness, and he also healed his wife and his maidservants, and they bear children. So the Bible says when God healed them, then He allowed them to bear children. And in verse 18 is really the focus that I want you to look at. The Bible says, For the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. The Bible says in verse 18 of Genesis chapter number 20, that the Lord had had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech. God decided that the people and the women in the kingdom of Abimelech were to no longer have children. The Bible says that the Lord closed up the womb there. Now go with me just real quickly to Genesis chapter number 21, and look at verse number 1. Well, this is going to be our text for next week, so I'm not going to preach through it now, but I want you to just see something. In Genesis 21.1, the Bible says, And the Lord visited Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah, as he had spoken, for Sarah conceived, and bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. So the Bible says that the Lord visited Sarah. Jehovah God visited Sarah, and in verse 2 it says that Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son. So again, who made the decision that Sarah was going to have a son? The Lord did. The Lord decided that Sarah was going to have a son. And if you remember, we've gone through this the entire time we've been in Genesis, or since we've been dealing with Abraham, Sarah decided she wanted to have a son. So she gave, you know, and Abraham decided that he wanted to have a son. Aside from God. And then he went to, you know, he had an adultery there. And Ishmael was born because of that. But when God was ready for Sarah to have a son, then the Bible says that the Lord visited Sarah. In the case of Abimelech, the Bible says that the Lord uh, had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech. Go with me to Genesis chapter number 29. Let me show you another example. Genesis chapter number 29 and verse 31. Genesis chapter number 29, look at verse 31. The Bible says in Genesis 29, 31, And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, He opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. So he, the Lord, opened her womb. 
The Lord opened Leah's womb. Go with me to Genesis chapter number 30. Look at verse 22. In Genesis chapter number 30. Look at verse 32. In Genesis chapter number 30 and verse 22, the Bible says, And God remembered Rachel, and God, God hearkened to her, and opened her womb. You say, why are you reading all these verses? Well, I'm preaching on the subject tonight of having children and birth control, and it's going to all make sense here in a little bit once we get through it. But the first thing I want to show you is this. In the Bible, whose choice is it to have a child? And I will submit to you that all through Scripture, God decides when someone will or will not have a child. The Bible says that the Lord opens the womb, the Lord closes the womb, the Lord decided to give Sarah a child, the Lord decided to give Leah children, the Lord decided to give Rebecca children. God is the one who makes the choices and the decisions when it comes to who is going to have a child or not. First uh, Samuel, chapter number 5. Go with me there. I, I meant to write this uh, reference down, and I did not write it down. So let me see if I can find it real quick. First Samuel, not chapter number 5. It wouldn't be chapter number 5. Look at uh, chapter number... see if I can find this real quick. Chapter number 2. Uh, I can't find the verse I'm looking for exactly, but look at verse 27. If you remember, Samuel's mother, Hannah, was barren, and she wanted to have a child. And she prayed to God to have a child, and eventually, when God uh, gave her that child, in, uh, in verse 27, look at what verse 27 says, she said, For this child I pray, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. So, she's stating there that the reason that she was able to have a child is because the Lord gave her that child. Go with me to Psalm uh, 113. Psalm 113, look at verse 9. This is all by way of introduction. Psalm 113 and verse 9. Psalm 113 is actually a verse that my wife, she was reading her Bible this morning and she said, Oh, this is a, because I told her what I was preaching about. And she thought, this was a good verse, and I saw it, and I liked it too. But look at Psalm 113.9. If you open your Bible, right in the middle, you'll more than likely fall to the book of Psalm. And look at Psalm 113.9. In Psalm, I guess I should get there myself too, I'm looking at something else. Psalm 113.9. The Bible says, He maketh the barren woman to keep house, and to be a joyful mother of children, praise ye the Lord. So we see there another example. Whether God makes a barren woman to be a mother. Mother of children is what the Bible says there. So what I'm trying to show you is that all over the Bible, God is the one who decided, decides who will or will not have children, when the womb will or will not be opened. And, you know, but we live in a society today... Uh, where people want to make that choice for themselves. Now, here's the thing. Today, um, you know, independent fundamental Baptists, you know, these are the good guys. You know, these are the guys we like. The independent fundamental Baptists, that's what we are, by the way, if you don't know that. We are independent, fundamental, King James, soul-winning, Bible-believing Baptists. But today, you can go to an independent fundamental Baptist church, and you will hear, you know, people say, 
especially with young children, they'll say, you know, you ought to pray for God's will in your life. And they'll say, you ought to pray for God's will at the job that you're going to have, the career you're going to go into. You ought to decide, you know, see if God would have you go into full-time ministry. And I would say, hey, praise the Lord. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Praying that God would show you, you know, what job He'd like you to have. You know, and they'll say, we'll, we'll tell young people today, you know, you ought to pray and seek God's will in regards to what person God wants you to marry. We'll ask, uh, we'll tell kids that they need to pray in regards to what Bible college they're going to go to. And by the way, I do not condone Bible colleges. I'm not saying I want you to go to Bible college. But that's something you'll hear people say. My whole life, I was told, pray about what Bible college you should go to. You know, and they'll ask you to pray about all these different decisions and life and these different things that you're going to go through, yet no one's, I've never heard somebody say this, pray to see how many children God wants you to have. You know, they always ask this question, how many kids would you like to have? No one seems to want to ask God, you know, how many kids do, does God want me to have? Or should I have children? Or should I not have children? But God tells us in the scripture everything. He gives us His will for our life. Let me show you that. Go over to 1 Timothy chapter number 5 in the New Testament. And we're going to look at a few uh, scriptures just uh, kind of by way of introduction, I guess. But let me show you 1 Timothy chapter number 5. Look at verse 14. 1 Timothy chapter number 5 and verse 14 in the New Testament. This kid should be able to get a 1 Timothy fast now. They've memorized all the books of the New Testament. They're working on the Old Testament. 1 Timothy chapter number 5. Look at verse 14. Paul is speaking through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And Paul says this. I will, therefore, that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. So he sees there, you notice the word will. Now you got to keep in mind, Paul is speaking for God. And he's saying, I will, God's will, therefore, is that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, and give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. You say, Pastor Jimenez, what do you think is the will of God for my young daughter's life? I tell you, the, the will of God is this, that she gets married, that she bears children, and that she guides the house. Now, we know that not everybody's going to get married, and we understand that some people, Paul never got married, and he said it was better for him to not be married, because he could serve God with his whole entire life, you know, devoted to God, and we understand that. But for the vast majority of people, God's will is that women marry, bear children, and guide the house. So you never ought to ask the question, does God want me to have children? Because God does want you to have children. God does want you to get married. God does want you to bear, you know, bear children and guide the house. And that's God's will. Now let me make this disclaimer. You know, God's will is for you to, in that order, marry, then bear children, then guide the house. Alright? It's not, our world has it upside down. Our world wants to, you know, bear children, then maybe get married. That's not God's will. You know, God doesn't put things in, in a specific order just randomly. He puts them in order for a reason. He says, I will therefore that younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, and give non-occasion to the adversary. And look, we believe that at Verity Baptist Church. And I don't care if the entire world is against me on this thing, but the Bible says that God's will for a wife is to have children and to guide the house. Let me tell you something. My wife will never go out and find some sort of a secular job. You know why? Because the will of God for her life, and you know, you said, is to have kids and to raise them. And to, and to teach them, you know, the, the love of God. And to teach them and raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And you say, well, well, you're some sort of a tyrant. And you're some sort, you know, you're, you're, you don't get, let your wife have freedom. Look, my wife does what she wants to do. 
She wants to stay at home and have, you know, and raise the kids. But that's what the Bible says. I got to, but see, today we try to teach young ladies, you know, you could grow up and be the next president. You could grow up and be the next CEO of whatever company. And you could grow up and be the next governor. Or you could grow up and be the next general. And we put these ideas in, in little girls' minds. And you could grow up and be some sort of a famous artist. Or some sort of famous actor or singer or whatever. And we try to give them these things. But the thing is that God said the most profitable thing that a young lady could do with her life is to bear children and guide the house. You say, well, I want my wife to be the, my daughter to be the next Hillary Clinton. She can be the, the next, you know, Secretary of State. And maybe one day be the next President of the United States. Well, look, why would you want your daughter to do something so meaningless? I mean, having a child is the most important thing that you could do with your life because you've got to understand this, and I say this all the time, a child is an eternal soul. My wife is very smart. And my wife, I'm sure, could make, you know, twice as much as I make. You know, working a secular job. But the thing is, why would she waste her time running a company when she could take a couple of children that are going to live forever, for eternity, and raise them, and instruct them, and teach them? And look, I'm telling you, my wife will never work a job, because her job is to raise the kids. You know, and I don't care if I have to work two or three jobs. I don't care if we, you know, we've got to eat rice and beans. I'm just going to provide for our families. So my wife, and my wife, let me tell you this. She's never going to start some sort of uh, in-home, you know, uh, business. You know, she's not going to sell, you know, top Tupperware or like Mary Kay or something. And I'm not against people doing that, but I am against people doing it when they should be raising their kids. Now look, if you raise your kids and they're out of the house and you find yourself sometimes, hey, make money. Praise God for that. But my wife's job is to raise kids. And that ought to be your job if you're a mother. You know, forget about working. Forget about the career. Forget about, well, I, I'm, I'm going to be the next CEO of eBay. You know, I'm going to be the next whatever. Why would you waste your life trying to do something like that when you could be investing in a child? You know, uh, my wife and I decided when we got married that she was not going to work. Uh, or shortly after we got married. You know, and she's and she's not, and you know, so, you know, she's not gonna, uh, you know, watch kids on the side to make money. She's not gonna sell things on the internet, or you know, people try to get her to do things all the time, like you know, start this type of business or do this or whatever. And you know, our priority is this: raise the children. You know, guide the house, bear children. Because that's what God said to do. And that's what God wants you to do. And you ought to look at what God says and decide: Does God want me to have children? Yes, He does. I will, therefore, that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give an occasion to the adversary. God's will for a wife is to stay home and guide the house. You know, but then you ask, well, how many children does God want me to have? Well, go with me to Genesis chapter number 1, chapter number one the very first chapter in the, in, in the first book of the Bible. And look at what God said. In Genesis chapter number 1, look at verse 28. In Genesis chapter number 1, look at verse 28. Genesis 1.28, the Bible says, And God blessed him. This is, by the way, the first commandment that God gave to all mankind. The very first commandment, the very first thing that God commanded mankind to do. And this is what he said. He said, And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God said, I want you to be fruitful, I want you to be multiplied, and notice what He says, I want you to replenish the earth. You know, people say, well, I thought this commandment was just for Adam and Eve. Well, look, Adam and Eve were the only people on earth at the time. If the commandment was just for them, God would have said, I want you to fill the earth. 
But he didn't say, I want you to fill the earth. He said, I want you to replenish the earth. He was saying, I want you to fill it, and then I want you to fill it again. And then I want you to fill it again. And I want you to replenish, refill it. Because it's a commandment for all mankind. God wants all of us to be fruitful. God wants all of us to multiply. God wants all of us to be in a continual, you know, replenishing of the earth. You may say, well, I thought the world was overpopulated. You know... I've got a liberal friend at work and they told me the world's overpopulated. And we need to stop having kids because the, the world, there's too many people. There's 7 billion people on planet Earth and they can't sustain us. Well, again, God has the answers for all, uh, for all life's questions. So why don't we just see if God thinks the world's overpopulated. Go with me to Genesis chapter number 24. Genesis chapter number 24. And you kids, by the way, when your teacher at school tries to give you this garbage about the world being overpopulated, you have your pastor's permission to laugh in her face because she is lying to you. You say, that's disrespectful. Well, she's a liberal anyway. Look at Genesis 24. Look at verse 16. Look at what God said. Let's see if God thinks the world's overpopulated. Genesis chapter number 24 and look at verse number 16. The Bible says, and they blessed Rebecca. Now you got to understand the context. Rebecca is getting ready to go get married to Isaac. And her family is saying goodbye to her. And the Bible says, And they blessed Rebekah, and said unto her, Thou art our sister. And look at what they said. This is why they blessed her. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions. That's the largest number found in the entire Bible, by the way. They said, Be thou the number of thousands of the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. Now, today, that would be a curse on somebody. You know, you talk to the average couple, and they say, I don't want, I don't want to have a lot of kids. I want to have one point, you know, five children is what I want to have. But this is a blessing. They said, they said I want, we want you to be the mother of thousands of millions. Thousands, now, you got to keep in mind, one million, you know, a thousand times is one billion. Okay? But notice, they said, be thou the mother of thousands, plural. So, I mean, they're talking about a number that is, at the very least, 2 billion people. And these people, God saw fit to put in the Word of God that Rebecca's blessing was this, that she would have descendants that would number 2 billion people. And that is one nation. That's the, the children of Israel. That's, that's one country. And God wanted them to have 2 billion yeah, that's not including all the other countries that God established. That's not including all the other nations that God established. God, you know, the world's overpopulated. No, it's not. The world is not overpopulated. I mean, God's will for, Rebe- for, for, uh, for Rebecca was to have descendants that numbered in the two billions. Let me give you another example. Go with me to Exodus chapter number 12. Exodus chapter number 12. Look at verse 37. Exodus chapter number 12 and verse 37. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, if you remember when the children of Israel went into Egypt, there were 70 souls. When they came out of Egypt, the Bible tells us there were 600,000 men. If you're there in Exodus chapter number 12, look at verse 37. The Bible says, And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men beside the children. So the Bible says that when they came out of Israel, they came in 70 souls. They came out 600,000 men. Not including the number of women. Not including the number of children. I mean, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt could have easily numbered in the 2 to 3 million. I mean, without a doubt. 
But look at Deuteronomy chapter number 1. In verse 11. I know I'm having you look at a lot of verses, but I want you to see this. Deuteronomy chapter number 1. And look at verse 11. Deuteronomy chapter number 1. And look at verse 11. When Moses is blessing the children of Israel. Notice it's another blessing. Look at what he says to them. Deuteronomy chapter number 1. And verse 11. The Bible says, The Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times so many more as you are, and bless you as He hath promised you. Isn't that amazing? Moses is looking at a congregation of 600,000 men, not including women, not including children. I mean, easily could have been two to three million people. And he says, the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times more than uh, as ye are. What is that? He said, you know, you're two to three million. He said, what to God, you'd be two to three billion. Looking at one nation and saying, I wish you were two to three billion. People look at the world today and they say there's seven billion people. We're overpopulated. It's a lot. You know, I just, uh, my wife and I just drove to uh, Washington. We left on Wednesday night. Her grandfather died, and we had to go up there with some family. We left on Wednesday night, drove through the night, 12 hours it took us to get there. We drove from Sacramento, California, through the state of Oregon, up into Washington, you know, past Portland. And, um, and then we drove back yesterday uh, in order to not miss church. And you know what? You know, it's funny, because we go on a lot of road trips. You know, we've driven to Phoenix, Arizona a few times. We drove all the way to Tennessee and back once. Um, you know, we, we, we've gone on, on a lot of road trips. And you know what I'm always amazed at when I, when I get on like I-5, I-80, I-40, I-10, and you get out of the big cities and you start traveling through California, through Oregon, through Washington, through Arizona, through, through uh, you know, when you're taking I-80, you take that southern route, you know, and you go through Nebraska. You know what I realized is that this country is not overpopulated. You know, it's overpopulated in Sacramento because people want to live in Sacramento. It's overpopulated in Los Angeles because everybody wants to live in Los Angeles. But the whole world is not overpopulated. I saw a number uh, one. Uh, somebody said that you could fit the entire world's population in the city of Tampa, Florida. You know, obviously just like shoulder to shoulder. But you could put everybody in the world in that city. Because the world is not overpopulated. God said He wanted one nation to number in the two to three billion. You know, not including all these other nations. And people say, well, the world's going to get destroyed. Look, the world was not meant to last forever. God is going to destroy the earth one day with a fervent fire, and He's going to bring a new heaven and a new earth. Earth wasn't meant to last forever. So the world's not overpopulated. You know, if, if people use that as an excuse, oh, that's why I don't want to have children. Look, you ought not have an excuse to not have children. Because God, the Bible says that God is the one who opens the womb. God is the one who closes the womb. God is the one who decides when someone will or will not have a child. And he says he wants you to be, be fruitful and multiply. He says he wants you to replenish the earth. He says to, he wants you to have many children. Now go over to Psalm 106. I said all that to say this. This is really what I wanted to get to tonight. Psalm 106. And look at verse 37. Very interesting verse. Psalm 106. And look at verse number 37. The Bible says in Psalm 106.37, Yea, they sacrifice their sons and their daughters unto devils, and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrifice unto the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus, pay attention to verse 39. 
Thus were they defiled with their own works. And look at what it says. And went a-whoring with their own inventions. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against His people, insomuch that He abhorred His own inheritance. The Bible... You know, I showed you verse after verse where it said that the Lord closed the womb. The Lord opened the womb. The Lord visited so-and-so. The Lord made a barren mother, you know, a barren woman to have children. God decides when people have children. God wants you to have multiple children. God wants uh, one nation to have billions of people in it. God wants us to have a lot of children. But today, people will decide that they want to, you know, choose how many children they're going to have. And they use sinful ways of preventing the birth of children. It's called birth control. And the Bible says in Psalm 106-39, in the last part of the verse, it says, and they went a-whoring with their own inventions. And that's what birth control is. Now let me uh, give you some some explanation here, because I want you to understand what I'm trying to say. Birth control is... Exactly what it's called. The controlling of birth. Of someone being able to have birth. I'm talking about birth control pills. I'm talking about the, you know, the patch. I'm talking about the different thing, modes that people use in order to keep themselves from having children. Now let me sort of give you some, uh, some background. Just, I don't know, you know, if everybody knows how all this works. Uh, and I'll try to be as, uh, you know, proper as possible. Obviously... When a woman, you know, a woman will have an egg that cycles through her body on a monthly basis. If that, if that egg is never, you know, never comes into contact with a man's blood, the egg will cycle through and it will never become alive. It, the, their body will just dispose of it on a monthly cycle. Alright, when that egg, when that woman is ovulating and that egg cycles through and it happens to, you know, come into contact with a man's blood, then we have what's called conception or fertilization and the, the Bible says that that, you know, that child, that, that egg becomes alive now. It's conceived and it becomes a human being. You say, well, why are you against birth control? Well, here's what. Here, let, let, me, let me give you a, let, let me read for you, okay? I'm reading for you from an article called, Can Birth Control Pills Kill Babies? Now, here's the thing. I'm reading from this article, but you can find the same information in, in any insert of a birth control pill. Okay, I've taken birth control pills before, looked in the insert, and read it, and, and you'll find the same information. So, But let me read for you from this article. It says, When taken as, prescri- as prescribed, referring to birth control, When taken as prescribed, which is every day, the birth control pill prevents conception. Now, preventing conception is not killing a ch- is not killing a child, okay? Because if the if the if the egg is never fertilized, it never became alive. It's not conceived. And we'll prove that from the Bible here in a second. But it says the birth control pill prevents conception by number one, usually preventing ovulation. Alright? So this is what a birth control pill will do. A lady, a woman will take it, and then the birth control pill will make your body not ovulate. So what that means is you will not release an egg. So if there's no egg to be fertilized, then no pregnancy can occur. Number two, it'll prevent uh, pregnancy by thickening the cervical mucus to delay uh, or interfere with semen entry in the cervix. And what it'll do is it'll kill it before it can even get to the egg so that no conception uh, can be done. But if the pill fails to prevent ovulation and conception, it prevents the fertilized egg from growing through changes in the endometrium which reduce the likelihood of implantation, a form of abortion. So what happens is this. When an egg cycles through a woman's body and it is fertilized by a man's blood, 
that egg is conceived and it becomes alive. 7 to 14 days after it's been alive, that egg will implant itself in the uterus wall of a woman and begin to be nourished by a woman. You know, through the, you know, develop an umbilical cord, begin nourished. 7 to 14 days after it's, you've had conception, after it's been alive. 7 to 14 days. What the birth control pill will do is, it'll do this. It will cause the uterine wall of a woman and make it so that that baby cannot attach itself to the wall of a uterine, uh, of, uh, you know, and implant itself into the wall, and therefore not being able to be nursed, it'll literally just start to death, is what happens. Now here's the thing. Fundamental Baptists and Christians all across America take strong stands against abortion. And they will say that, look, life starts at conception. And that's true. Let me just show you that, because I like to prove everything from the Bible. So just real quickly, go with me to the book of Isaiah. Because we take a stand against uh, abortion at Barry Baptist Church as well. But I want to explain something to you. Go with me to Isaiah chapter number 7. Isaiah chapter number 7. Sermons like this, you have so much information, I hope I'm not losing you. But go to Isaiah chapter number 7. Then keep your finger in Isaiah chapter number 7. And go with me to Matthew chapter number 1. So find Isaiah chapter number 7. Put your finger there. And go to Matthew, the very first uh, book in the New Testament. Chapter number 1. And look at verse number 23. Uh, Isaiah chapter number 7 and verse 14. Matthew chapter number 1 and look at verse 23. So are you there in Isaiah chapter number 7 and verse 14? Look at what Isaiah uh, 7 14 says. The Bible says this is a prophecy of the Virgin Mary who is going to give birth to Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter number 7 and verse 14, the Bible says, Therefore, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. You see that? A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So the Bible says, a virgin shall conceive. Now, keep your finger there and go with me to Matthew chapter number 1 and verse 23. In Matthew, we find the same verse being referenced in the New Testament. Look at what it says. Matthew 1, 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. And shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted, which being interpreted is God with us. Did you see the difference? Isaiah seven fourteen says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Matthew one twenty three says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Now, in the Bible, when a verse is being quoted from another, like in the New Testament from the Old Testament, but it's not quoted exactly the same, that's not a mistake in the King James Bible. God does that on purpose because He's trying to teach us something. All right, what He's trying to teach us is this. In Isaiah 7, 14, he says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive. In Matthew 1, 23, he says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Why is that? Because when a woman conceives, when an egg is fertilized, it's a child. It's alive. God said, Behold, a, woman shall, a virgin shall conceive. And he says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. He wasn't saying, you know, a woman's going to be with, a virgin's going to be with some embryo. Or some, you know, just a uh, bunch of cells. Or something that's going to develop into a human. He said, that is a child. When that egg is fertilized, when that egg is conceived, it is a child. He said, she will conceive, and then he says, she's with child. Why? Because it's the same thing. Life begins at conception, according to the Bible. Go with me to Psalm 139 and verse 14. I'll prove it to you some more. Psalm 139, look at verse 14. Psalm 139 and verse 14. Look at what the Bible says. Psalm 139 and verse 14. The Bible says, I will praise thee. 
For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Look at verse 14. My substance was not hid from me when I was made in secret, and curiosity wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Do you see that? Let's read that again. I don't want you to miss all of that stuff it said. 139.15 My substance was not hid from me when I was made in secret, and curiosity wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance. He says, your eyes saw the substance that made me, yet being unperfect. He means, you know, he wasn't... The word perfect in the Bible means whole or complete. And he says, when I was yet not complete, when I was still growing in my mother's womb, your eyes were on my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written. He says, the, the word members is a reference to the body parts. He says, in your book you already had written down all my body parts, which in continuance were fashioned. He said, they were still continuing to be fashioned. And the last part of the verse, the most amazing part, he says, when as yet there was none of them. He says, when before I had an arm, you already knew who I was. Before I had a leg, you already knew who I was. Before I was fully developed in my mother's womb, he says, you already fashioned me, and you already knew who I was. That's why he says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. Go with me to Ecclesiastes. Look at Ecclesiastes uh, chapter number 11. Ecclesiastes chapter number 11. Job, if you find Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and look at chapter 11. See, today we get so fucked up and arrogant. We think we know how, how things work. And, and people, you know, they get, get, you know, before three months old, it's not a human being. But after three months old, it is a human being. Or whatever. That's not what God said. He said, you know, you knew who I was before I was even fully developed. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter number 11. Look at verse 5. Ecclesiastes chapter number 11 and verse 5. The Bible says, As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. Notice he says, You don't even know how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. Okay, we don't understand the birthing process. We don't understand how an egg can be fertilized and become alive and that egg will develop over a period of nine months into a human being that you give birth to. We don't understand how the bones grow and how that thing is developed because God is the one who does that. God is the one who visits. God is the one who opens the womb and closes the womb. But the point is this, you must understand this from the Bible. Life begins at conception. Life does not begin after birth. God, life does not begin after you've been in the womb for a certain amount of time. The moment you are conceived, the moment you are, you know, fer that egg is fertilized, God says that is a human being. And He says it's being with child. Alright? And fundamental Baptists and Christians all across America will take a strong stand against abortion. Because they say even though the child is unborn, it's still alive. It's still a human being. And to kill or end that life is murder. But by the same standard, you should not take birth control pills. Because a birth control pill will allow a fertilized egg, or I'm sorry, not allow a fertilized egg, 
to, that has been alive to, from 7 to 14 days. It's been a human being, according to God. And a birth control pill will not allow that egg in order to implant into the uterus wall and therefore die, causing a silent abortion. And Christians all across America scream and yell about abor- you know, the abortion holocaust when the average pastor's wife in America is t- popping a birth control pill and killing who knows how many children year after year. Since birth control pills cause a fertilized conceived egg to not implant to the uterine wall, that fertilized egg dies, therefore killing a living child. Because according to the Bible, life begins at conception. And a birth control, the birth control pill, and by the way, all birth control does this, will stop that child from living. Now look, the first thing it will do is it will just try to stop the woman from ovulating. And the second thing it will do is it will just try to stop the conception by killing, you know, the blood of the man. By stopping it before it gets to the egg. But if it fails, then it will 100% of the time cause the uterine wall to harden so that an egg cannot implant. Therefore, killing a human, a human being. Let me read for you from another article. I'm reading from the article called Birth Control in Light of the Bible. And it says this, Hormonal birth control methods, including all types of birth control pills, the patch, hormone injections, implants, etc., perform two primary functions. They suppress ovulation, no egg is released, therefore pregnancy is not possible. Depending upon which particular method is used, ovulation is suppressed 40 to 95% of the time, the other uh, 5 to 60% of the time, uh, an egg is released and can be fertilized. So do you understand what I'm saying? It's saying, you know, it, the egg can be released 5 to 60% of the time. Because 40 to 95, depending on, because obviously all different birth controls take different amounts of hormones. Some are better than others. So, you know, it'll stop a woman from ovulating, depending on which one you're taking, 40% of the time to 95% of the time. But here's the thing. That means that 5% of the time to up to 60% of the time, the birth control pill is allowing that egg to run its course, therefore allowing it to be uh, fertilized. The second way they do it is they thin and harden the lining of the uterus. This makes implantation of the conceived 7-day-old, 7 to 14-day-old child virtually impossible. All hormonal birth control methods have this effect on the uterine lining 100% of the time. Now let me keep reading from this article. Simple logic tells us that if an egg can be released and fertilized 5 to 60% of the time, and implantation is being prevented close to 100% of the time, because birth control pills are like 99.9% you know, uh, successful. So close to 100% of the time, it's stopping pregnancy. But 5 to 60% of the time, it's allowing an egg to be fertilized, it's just killing it by not allowing it to uh, implant into the wall, then it, uh, it says, uh, let me see where I left off here, 100% of the time, a silent abortion has taken place 5 to 60% of, the, of months a woman is taking the pill because a 7-day-old child is uh, unable to implant and dies. The morning-after pill functions after the same principle to destroy the lining of the uterus but in a shorter period of time due to high concentration of the same hormones. The 5% figure, listen to this, the 5% figure is based on the use of the combination pill, which is usually a combination of estrogen and uh, progesterone. 
the 60% figure is based on the use of progesterone-only pills called the mini-pill, the patch, or progesterone injection implants. Therefore, a woman taking even the combination pill for only two years, statistically, will have one chemical abortion during that time. A woman using a progesterone-only method for two years can very likely have 12 silent abortions during that period of time, or one every other month. These are the most conservative estimates available. Other research indicates that women taking the combination pill could be ovulating up to 50% of the time, and that 70% of women taking the mini pill could be ovulating every month. In almost all cases, these babies, these babies will not be able to implant and would die. See, the truth of the matter is this. The birth control pill, whether anybody wants to admit it or not, is causing silent abortions. Okay? Because it's killing a child that has been born for, that has been alive for 7 to 14 days. Because according to the Bible, life begins at conception, and the birth control pill, 5 to 60% of the time, will allow that egg to be fertilized. It will kill it by not allowing it to implant into the uterine wall. Does that make sense? We at Verity Baptist Church, as a church, take a stand against all birth control pills. You know, any birth control pill out there, uh, we take a stand against it because it's killing a child. For the same reason we take a stand against abortion. It's taking the life of a human child. And it's wrong. Period. And you know, God puts a... I don't have the verses to show them to you, but in, in, if you study, you know, in Leviticus, if a man was to accidentally cause a woman to lose her child, like if she was pregnant and he was accidentally to hurt her, where she, you know, miscarried, the Bible says that that man was to be punished, and that the husband was supposed to decide what punishment that man was to take. And the Bible says that if a man on purpose caused a woman to miscarry, that man was supposed to be put to death, because he killed a human being. God puts a value on the life of a child, whether it's in the womb or not. And God says it's wrong to kill a human being. And He says that if you, if you cause a woman to have a miscarriage and you did it on purpose, God says the death penalty because that's murder. And let me tell you something. When you take a birth control pill, or when you allow yourself to be given the pack, or be given all these different hormonal type things, and your body kills a child, God will not leave, you know, see you as being guiltless. Because it's murder. It's wrong. And see, the reason people take these pills is because they don't want to have children. They don't want, they, they want to allow God to decide what job I should have, what spouse I should marry, where, where I should go, what friends I should have, what church I should have. But when it comes to having children, they, they take the birth control pill. No, I'm going to decide. I'm not going to let God decide. I'm not going to let God open the womb or close the womb. I'm not going to let God decide, you know, how many children he wants me to have. I'm going to decide, you know. But see, what not having children shows is this. And by the way, you know, if you've got this idea that you think, you know, if, if I wasn't on birth control, I'd have 18 kids. Well, look, some people do have 18 kids. And it's God's will for that person to have 18 kids. But Sarah had one child. And it was God's will for her to have one child. Isaac had two kids. And it was God's will for him to have two kids. You know, so not everybody, you know, my wife and I use absolutely no type of birth control at all. We've been married for, coming on in June, seven years, we have two kids. And guess what? They're naturally spaced by two years, almost to the day. Joshua was born September 7th. Two years later, Joel was born September 18th. 
You know? Did, did we have to plan that out? Did we have to go down to Planned Parenthood and try to figure out, oh, we're going to do this calendar and you're going to take birth control pills to this? You know, we just let God deal with it. We just let God take care of it. Because here's the thing. Not having children shows a lack of faith in God. Not having children shows a lack of faith in God. Go to Psalm uh, 78. Look at verse 19. And look, we may end up having 18 children. We may end up having 8 children. We may end up having 2 children. I don't know. But you know what? Whatever God wants to give us... You know, and people say, well, do you think you can afford all those kids? Well, look. Look at Psalm 78 19. In Psalm 78 19, we see the children of Israel, they, when they came out of Israel and they're going into the wilderness, they're questioning God. And here's what they're saying. In Psalm 78 19, He says, Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Now here's the thing. They spake against God because you remember, there was two to three million of them. And they're going out into the wilderness, into the desert. And the Bible says that God got mad at them. Because they said, can God feed two to three million people in the wilderness? And God was mad and said, why are you questioning me? But today, we'll look at God and we'll say, can God feed three children? Like, oh no, is God powerful enough? If I have five kids, can He feed them all? I mean, good night. Are you... Selfish motives. Go with me to, one, to Psalm 127. Look at verse 3. 
Psalm 127. Look at verse number 3. Psalm 127. What's another reason people don't want to have children? Because of ingratitude. Look at Psalm 127 and verse 3. The Bible says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. Do you see that? The Bible says that the fruit of the womb, not talking about like an underwear brand, okay? So I'm not having children here. The fruit of the womb is His reward. God says that He rewards you by having children. But people say, I don't want children from God. Why? Because they're, they have an ingratitude to God. They, God wants to reward them. God wants to bless them. God wants to give them a child. And they say, I don't want God's blessing. I don't want God's reward. I don't want God's child. He says, Lo, children are the heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is His reward. Look at verse 4. Why is another reason people don't want to have children? A lack of vision. Look at what it says. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. He uses this analogy in verse 4. He says, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man. He's saying, you know, the same way that a mighty man will take arrows... You know, and shoot them at a target. He says in that same manner, as arrows are, so are children of the youth. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you ought to look at your children as an opportunity. Just like a, a soldier or a hunter would take an arrow and try to focus on a target and try to get that arrow. That's what we were preaching about last Sunday morning when we preached a sermon of purposeful parenting. I should have used this verse. I don't know why I missed that. But he's saying, you know, you ought to have your children and you ought to be parenting them with a purpose and you ought to be aiming them at a certain target and you ought to be trying to get them to accomplish something. He says, as arrows are in the hand of my man, so are children of the youth. You ought to be trying to accomplish something with your children. You ought to have a purpose for your children and you ought to make them, like the Bible says, princes on earth. You know, I've got a goal for my kids. And by the way, it's not to be the next president of the United States. It's not to be the next governor of the United States. They want to put themselves on a pill, kill the children that God is giving them, 
and then and then they want to say, well, you know, God stopped the abortion holocaust in America, and 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 I, and I think God looks out from heaven. He says, maybe I'll work on stopping the abortions in America if you stop aborting your children. You know, I, I think that's what God is saying to the average Baptist in America. But look at Genesis chapter number twenty, verse four. If you remember the story of Abimelech, when God punished him, and he said, and he stopped them from having children. Look at Genesis chapter number twenty, verse four. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, this is Abimelech speaking to God. After God told him, I'm going to kill you, uh, you're not going to have children. You know, no one, because remember, no one in the nation of Abimelech was having kids until Abraham prayed for God to open up the wombs again. And look at what Abimelech says Lord, will thou slay also a righteous nation? You know what he was saying? He's saying, God, if you do not allow us to have children, you're going to slay. You're going to kill a nation. Isn't that amazing? Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world right now. You say, oh, is it because of other missions work? No. You know, have you ever met anybody who, who, you know, other than these stupid celebrities that don't know anything about anything, you know, the average person is not just converting to Islam. Alright? Islam is not a great, you know, this great uh, religion that's just out knocking doors again. You know how they're growing? Here's how they're growing. They're having children. You know how the Mormons are growing? They're having children. You know how all these... But, but see, here's what's happening in America. No one's having children. And America is going to become a weaker and weaker... As China continues to put out people by the billions, and America continues to decline. It's the truth. How do you kill a nation? Stop having kids. How do you kill a movement? Stop having kids. How do you kill fundamentalism in America? Fundamental Baptists, have that, stop having kids. You say, I wish the Fundamental Baptists you know, were as big as the Mormons. Well, maybe we had as many kids as the Mormons. Maybe we stopped killing our kids in the womb. You know, Then maybe we could do something in America. Abimelech said, Will thou slay also a righteous nation? Well, God, how are you slaying a righteous nation? By, by closing the womb. You know, and I just want to challenge you tonight. And maybe, maybe this is, you know, maybe you're out of the giving birth stage in your life. Or maybe, you know, you're not married. Or maybe this isn't something. But you know what? You ought to have this knowledge and know that birth control pills are just as bad as any abortion. You know, we preach against Planned Parenthood as we should, but we ought to preach against all these birth control pills because they're killing a conceived child. That God said, Behold, a woman shall con- uh, behold, a virgin shall conceive. And then He said, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Because, why? Because a conceived seed is a child. And 7 to 14 days later, it'll be killed by an abortion, by, by a birth control pill. And you know what? We ought to just trust God and say, God, I'm going to trust you. You want me to have two kids? I'll have two kids. You want me to have 12 kids? I'll have 12 kids. And just trust God. Everything about God is faith. The Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And when it comes to every part of your life, you know, starting a church, I have to have faith in God that He was going to... See us through it. Starting a family, I have to have faith in God. You know, doing different business ventures, you got to just have faith in God. And having children, I'm just going to say, God, let us have faith in you as well. So let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear me, Father, we love you, Lord, so much.